Welcome to You Wear It Well. You Wear It Well. Yes, we are back. It is episode nine. Uh, I am Mike Saw, the editor of Wearable. I am joined this week by executive editor James Stables. Hello. And reporter Connor Allison. Hola. So we've made it to episode nine of the podcast, and this week we're going to talk about wearables and running. Specifically, we're going to talk about the future of running. Uh, this week we kind of ran a load of features, speaking to a lot of brands, including Garmin, Sinto, Polar, and oh, actually a lot of runners as well, just to talk generally about wearable tech, where it's going to go, and how kind of running is going to be part of that future. So we're going to start off with a feature that we kicked off Future of Running Week, and that was the future of smart running shoes. Now, this is a subject, I think, that's kind of sat with wearables for a long time. It seems like the most kind of logical place to kind of smarten up specifically for runners. And we had our kind of serious runner and a regular contributor, Kieran, kind of pick this feature up for us. And he was kind of looking at space and, you know, where, where, are we, where do we kind of feel we're at with you know, smart running shoes at this point and whether it's kind of going to be a big thing. Well, they've sort of been around for a while, haven't they? Even one of the first articles that we ever wrote on wearable was about the Lekel Smart Shoe, mm. which was a running-focused uh, shoe that picks up various metrics. And there's a lot of data that can be garnered from the foot when you're talking about running, especially technique, and that speaks to a lot of runners about injury prevention and getting quicker. So smart shoes have have sort of bubbled along the surface, haven't they, for the last couple of years? Yeah, I think the, it's a problem we see. I think you've got companies making sensors and then you've also got traditional kind of running shoe makers, whether that's Nike or Asics, Adidas, those companies. And I think what's been lacking is kind of those two merging in a way. And instead what you've got is smaller companies, you know, we've seen, whether it's Sensoria or Rontopia, you know, kind of coming in with their own shoes because the bigger companies maybe just haven't adapted their, you know, their own shoes to maybe fit in sensors underneath the sole or, you know, things like that. Um, you know, so I, I think what the space has really been missing is those two kind of worlds merging potentially um, and having maybe a partnership. Um, but then, you know, you've also got running pods as well, which are on the outside and that, that's something we saw kind of, you know, re-emerge, I guess, last year, wasn't it? Let's uh, come back to that sort of running pod in yeah. a second. But um, for those who aren't as up with smart shoes and smart running shoes as us, um, should probably just go across a couple of the, the more memorable ones from across the last three years. But yeah. um, Under Armour, we talked about yeah. not being a massive uh, sort of pickup from the big running shoe brands. But um, Under Armour have had two, right? Yeah, they've had two, and then they've also just launched their their kind of their new kind of groundbreaking running shoe, which the kind of emphasis is on their kind of hover cushioning kind of technology, which is you know not that kind of interesting for us particularly, but they are still running out the say some of the same running metrics that we have seen in their connected line. So they're probably of those big sports brands still kind of pushing forward with smart running shoes. But then we've kind of seen smaller companies. I think Ultra IQ they I tested last year, um, kind of offer something similar. And I think the key thing, and I think one of the important things that came out of that feature that we that Kieran did, was what one of the Sensorio co-founder said, and it's that idea that, you know, you don't want to be replacing your shoes. Like I mean, you know, that's that's what they tell runners to do, but do you want to be 
replacing your shoes on a, on a regular shoes, basis yeah, or do yeah. you want to be adding yeah. that technology so you, you've got those shoes for a longer period? And I think that's yeah. where that kind of pushes us into this kind of re-emergence of this kind of football sensors. I mean, I tested the uh, Under Armour connected shoe back in 2015, I think it was. They launched the first one and there's been a, a second revision since then. I think if we're brutally honest, it, what stood out was the complete lack of imagination when it came to what you could do with a connected shoe. You think, as a runner, oh, what can this give me? And then what you ended up with was an estimation of distance, which I think no one gets excited about, mm. um, and some time on your feet and some basic um, basic metrics. I don't even really think that cadence was a major part of that um, collection of data. And when you look at a foot pod really need to be looking at actual actionable data and there just wasn't any there so i think that's where sensoria has done a bit better and you can argue the toss of whether sensors are so in the future are so cheap that they're just in every shoe so you don't need to clip something on i quite like the sensoria model where you where it started with the sock didn't it back in yeah. back in 2015 sort of uh time where you would clip a sensor on a sock and it had um, sensor threads running through it and that's the same with the shoe they they actually are going a little bit further than a standard smart shoe, smart pedometer shoe basically which is what we saw from Under Armour mm. yeah I think I think what we're seeing from these foot pods I think companies like Stride I think Garmin are kind of in that space as well it's it's you're giving you those additional metrics which people do want but it's also it, there needs to be a kind of educating element to it as well understanding what those metrics mean so yeah i mean you know we're talking about things you know we, we spent about cadence and things kind of vertical oscillation which you know people here they are going to hear those terms and not really know what they are but i think there is value to having that information it's about taking those metrics and actually pulling it together with kind of the the analysis side of things which i think these companies should should be doing and are doing and saying well look this is this is what you're, you know. This is what you're not good at, and this is how you can fix it, and you can improve your running form, and you know things like that are going to help you be a better runner. It might not make you faster, but it will make you better, and maybe reduce those chances of you know having an injury. So I think you know that this extra data is of value. Shall I just play devil's advocate here, please? That foot pods are so good that smart shoes are pointless. It's a good point. I think it is a good point. I mean, I've I've used. Um, I've used a, well. I've been. I'm using the Stride uh, foot pod at the moment. Uh, I use Milestones mm. pod recently, which um, it's just very easy to use. And that, and you know, that they work a lot. A lot of them work with your watch. Most people will still be running with their watches, mm. uh, but it's that having you know being able to view that data um, and just being able to put it on any shoes. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of forget about it. I think that's the the appealing bit of it, isn't it? And you know, once the that element is nailed where you can still view stuff in real time on your watch then yeah I think there's definitely an argument of well why would I need a smart shirt when I've basically kind of you know found a good workaround I think that's well I've been using milestone pod quite a lot and what sticks out for me is that it's 25 pounds 30 dollars um, it clips on in seconds and it gives you really good array of data on that I find useful in my training. Cadence is a, a good measure of how you, um, how fast you stride and, and there's an, an optimum level of efficiency. So mm. you stride faster, you're a more efficient runner. It's something that everyone can benefit from. There's foot strike, force. So 
if you are the sort of person who's really putting um, pressure on your uh, heel and you know slamming your foot down, that's definite injury worry. It's it's there to tell you, and you can swap it between shoes. And the price is probably the premium you'd pay on the smart version of one pair of shoes. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to be said for we have the data. It's there in pods. Are these smart shoes in many ways, you know, vanity projects for for big brands to come out there and you know and say, oh, we you know we're a tech forward company, Adidas, for example, for example. Yeah. You know, they want to tell us tech story, but really, is there is there the desire? I think it says a lot that at the moment you could probably only say Under Armour are the only people playing in in this smart running shoe space in terms of a high profile company and adidas and nike and some of these are focusing on the the shoe technology as mm. far as you know like cushioning and in those areas they, they can they know they can improve the tech adds that extra connected smarts adds another element or level of complexity that maybe is putting them off from really making a big push and yeah maybe they're thinking the technology is there already and it's probably cheaper for somebody to go and buy a pod instead yeah and i think it says a lot when you know, we're saying Under Armour potentially the the leader in this particular space, and even Under Armour won't be launching the newer shoes that hover outside of America. It looks like in that in terms of the the connected ones. So, yeah, I think there's definitely an argument there that, as James said, it's more of a look at look at how we're approaching tech, like we're really forward thinking, but maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be. So there you have it, future of running not smart shoes. Yeah, <laughs> they're out of the future. <laughs> Should we move on yeah. to uh, things that are in the future? Yeah, so I mean, we couldn't have a future of running week if we didn't talk to Garmin. And our US editor Hugh was fortunate enough to have a kind of nice chat with John Hikes, the product manager who kind of primarily works on Forerunner, who, you know, that range of watches for them, you know, is, is huge. And I thought, it was a, I thought it was a very interesting interview. I think the one thing that, that kind of stood out for me was their kind of conversation about music. And it's... Before before Garmin had announced the six four five music watch uh, in January, I think the most comments we would have on the site about Garmin watches in general was until they add music support uh, to the watch, you know, it's not going to be the perfect watch for me yet. Yeah. And I've read that comment so many times, and it's interesting to hear Garmin talk about the fact that they've actually, you know, they've been looking at this feature. For a long, for for quite a while, probably longer than probably people probably thought. Yeah. Um, and he, um, Joe, Joe kind of speaks about this kind of experience of using the Motorola Motorola Moto Active, which was a watch that Motorola did in I think 2010 2011, which was kind of a the fitness dark ages, kind of yeah. yeah, kind of a. And I remember there was a lot of excitement about it. it was a, mm. a company that was doing a kind of fitness focused watch that had a, an MP3 player, and he actually kind of said, you know, they went out with it, they tried it out, but the the balance didn't quite work out. So it feels like that kind of put them off the idea for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but now they've kind of obviously come back and they've launched something. And I mean, James, you've you've kind of had a little bit of time with the 645 music as well. So Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts and mm. insight James can't about wait it. For this. I can't wait for this. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, it's cut to the chase. I used it. I went for a run. I listened to music. Mm. They were preloaded MP3s and Sorry, can you, what do you, can you remember any of the tracks that were played during during your little run? It was definitely a Black Eyed Peas nice. number. Nice. Um, 
but power song. they know how to sell power it. Power song, they? yeah. They know, <laughs> they know their audience. <laughs> but um, so yeah, it works great. There's um, you, um, you know MP3 capabilities, and crucially, where they've done better than TomTom is that they have um, iHeartRadio. Uh, Deezer, Deezer, which everyone yeah. has, mm-hmm. and um, that he told me that he had Amazon Music coming, which is a probably yeah. a big one when you think that people possibly looking at that service with their Alexa speakers, yeah, and there's now probably two reasons why they might choose it. So that's that's good, um, and you so you can offline sync your playlist from streaming service onto the what. So um, there are some interesting talking points. I'll try and keep to a mi- to a, <laughs> a brief. Um, number but i mean the first one is what this represents and surely a a fight taking the fight to the apple watch apple watch so well integrated with apple music you just tap a playlist put it on its charging Mm. um pad and a few minutes you're off to go you've got music straight from the wrist great experience um and you know they're in a fight with apple now so um that's probably a big part of the reason why they were looking at it for so long yeah and now it's happened um, the other thing that we were chatting about was how the thing about Garmin's is that people who have Garmin's don't buy new Garmin's. They no. just run and run and run, and they don't offer massive reasons for people to get rid of working watches. You could say they might. Garmin still watches. supports them all pretty well. Like yeah, they make really the watches devices. too well. Yeah, 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 to a certain extent. So this is probably your reason if you're a runner with an older Garmin that you might want to upgrade. So. Mm. And then we're just going to... Obviously, the elephant in the room is Spotify. Yeah, as it always is. Uh, as always. And they said, uh, or intimated, that there could be possibly a workaround mm. um, this year which would enable you to offline sync Spotify. But there's yeah. definitely no, there's definitely, we're definitely far from, from that. There, there's a slim a chance. Lot, I think there'll be a lot of love for that particular kind of support i think you would say that about the apple watch as well I but say, I think if garmin can get yeah. that that kind of pull that off themselves i mean that's a, that's a huge kind of thing for them what surprises me and i just did a little bit of research before coming and recording this is that you know that you know garmin said spotify not interested which Basically, is strange. Which isn't is it? strange because yeah. everyone says, "Oh, every watch that comes out, why don't you have Spotify? Where's yeah. Spotify? What about Spotify?" Mm. And you know, it, it's a two-way thing. If you want to make a Spotify app, sort of Fitbit as well. It's kind of yeah. same kind of situation. Exactly. Same with the Fitbit. The Fitbit wouldn't have not gone yeah, for a Spotify app if they had the chance, but it just seems that Spotify aren't interested. Mm. And there's a couple of things on that. One is that Spotify have Spotify running, which I thought was an interesting service where you. You say you're going running, you pick a genre and it beat matches to your desired speed, which is quite a, if you haven't tried it, is a yeah. worthwhile thing to try. Just, it does strange things to your running. You don't <laughs> want to stick that up too high. Else you will be, uh, you will Hard be, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, I went looking for that in the app and I mean, that, that, see if you can find it in under one minute. <laughs> because uh, it is it they is buried it yeah, yeah, yeah. it is buried so they have weirdly no real interest in running which is curious it is a strange one obviously they do have a partnership with Samsung but that yeah. is really the only kind of official thing going on there and yeah that's I think just going back to Garmin I, I think time was they didn't really have a choice at this point if you you know talk about competing with Apple yeah. then 
you know, there was no real reason why not. And obviously, Hugh got told that it's kind of they got put off by the Motorola thing, and you know, I have no doubt that that is true. Also, there's been a lot of time between now and then. It is still kind of strange that it didn't come once more everyday smartwatches, you know, Apple and and the likes started, you know, bringing music streaming and. Yeah, I think it's it's about time. Um, yeah, I think there's another reason as well, and I, I think it's you know, and for me personally, I I would kind of understand it from this point of view. is battery life. Mm-hmm. Now, for anyone that has a Garmin, the, the average person they want that battery life, that GPS battery life. Now, if we look at the the six four five music, it's not it's not kind of matching what these the, the top end or the kind of yeah. you know you're moving up to the top end forerunners in terms of battery life and these additional features are all going to impact on those things and i think and my point of view is i feel i feel that maybe garmin had tried maybe that's that is part of the reason why they've kind of waited because they 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 felt they wanted to kind of get that balance right and i think that's really important there's no point having a a, a forerunner or a running watch yeah. where you're you you're kind of charging it the level of smart watch and stuff yeah. like that. That's what Garmin have been known for. And I, you know, I wouldn't want them to lose that. And I think that's maybe why we won't see this feature on those kind of higher end forerunners and Phoenix devices just yet yeah. Uh, yeah. until they can kind of really deliver on both those fronts. And I think that's really important. Mm. Um, I think just to kind of round off, I think there was a couple of things. I mean, we spoke about the Apple watch. I think Garmin spoke about saying they're not scared of what the Apple Watch offers for runners. That I mean, that's what they're kind of saying, and yeah. they obviously want to make uh, a bigger push on coaching, which I think we're probably going to see from not only Garmin. I think Polar we're already starting to see that, and since as well, and it's not just a, it's that coaches that personalised coaching that I think is the next step for you know getting runners who don't really know what they're doing or they mm. you know they don't know where to start, they don't know how to get what they need to get for a race or just to start running. And I think. I'm sure we'll see a lot more on that this year from Garmin and a whole other brands as well. So um, we've talked this first part of the podcast, we've kind of talked about the companies and the, and the brands that are kind of involved in this space. But ultimately, these wearables have been made for, for you know, for us, for mm-hmm. runners, for people who like wearables, who are buying wearables. And I think we wanted to try and kind of Asked that question. We wanted to talk to the people who actually these are who are these watches and these wearables are designed for. So one of the features we ran this week was we asked, you know, we wanted to ask a bunch of runners, if you you know, in your perfect running watch, if you could ask for one killer feature that you would say, actually, you know, this this is ideal for me. I would, you know, this is I will pay any money any kind of money to have this, mm. what would it be? So I want to throw it out, let's throw it out to the wearable team, like what would, I mean, I, I can start. I mean, when one of the one of the runners we we spoke to actually kind of came up with a similar um, feature. But for me, it's de- dehydration and knowing when to kind of. I think f- I, I've, I've kind of done a few races or just going out and training on long runs. That kind of fueling, knowing when you mm. taking that think you know thought process out of knowing when to fuel or to fuel you know or to take on enough water or take it you know. Or, an energy gel or something like that, like that knowing when to do that but because it's not always when you think it is course, it's actually yeah. before well, this that is, kind of issue comes you know this hits. is it's basically just the next step I guess to kind of the metrics going has in training effects and things yep. like that because that is fascinating the kind of whole you know thing of where oh I've run 10 miles like I feel really tired I don't know if I can do that again but you know sometimes you can sometimes you know your body has recovered and I think 
just what you're saying, you kind of, it'd be great to have that backup of, oh, well, you know, my body is feeling this way. I didn't feel like that, you know, because you kind of taught yourself into certain things. So yeah, I think the next kind of step on those metrics were you're getting some objective backup in terms of data. I think, yeah, that's fascinating. How about you, James? Um, I wrote down a boring one. <laughs> Hit bars with it. Go it's on. something that's really frustrates me. Mm. Um, it's actually an Apple Watch feature, which I just want to see placed around, you know, higher end running watches, and that's the idea of this of the fast lock on to satellites. Oh yeah. Because I ran with the Apple Watch for for a long time, mm. and uh, the Apple Watch Three, and it's great. You just walk out the door, press run on any of the apps, you, yeah. Strava app, whatever, and you're gone. The amount of times, and especially right now in London, it's about zero degrees C. Yeah. And standing at the front of your house with your arm in the air, walking up and down the road for possibly three, four minutes when you're ready to run. Which is, yeah, mental. Looking for a satellite signal mm. is, it's a killer. It, yeah. it's, it absolutely kills me. So um, that's one of the best features on the Apple Watch in terms of running. You can, it people can deride it on, you know, that it's, you know, a weekend warriors. Yeah. Um, you know, running watch just delivers the basics. Yes, but that is that is everyone can benefit from those. Yeah, uh, and I remember when Apple kind of first announced the Apple Watch and it was saying it's going to be within seconds. And I think what we're used to is is just that, like you kind of go outside and it's like, well, this is the bit where I stand around and everyone kind of looks at me because what's this guy doing trying to get a GPS signal? You know, Mike, I know you've talked about putting your watch on a windowsill mm. before you even go out to run. That's how like, you know bad GPS signal lock-on is across the board, I guess. And hopefully it will get better. That's a tip from uh, Kieran Alger, actually, who mm. we're going to kind of get in. We're going to pick out some of the kind of responses that we got from this feature, um, some a bit more outlandish than what uh, James, James suggested. I don't ask but... for a lot in life, but <laughs> what I do ask for, I just want it to be good. Yes. But um, we, got a, we, we, yeah, we actually got a few, like a few responses, people talking about wireless charging, having a kind of... A device away from your watch that kind of just improves that kind of issue of not having to worry about your battery life so mm. Luke Tobiaski who's an endurance athlete he that was kind of one of the things he wanted there was a couple of people that kind of wanted something similar uh, we spoke to uh, Kerry McCarthy who is commissioning editor at Runners World and he came out with a great mm. answer it was uh, my futuristic wish would be a training watch that periodically projected a large hologram of your stats into the air about 20 feet in front of you, like a real-time bat signal. Uh, so you could see where you're at without having to squint at a screen and scroll through data fields on the run. Especially useful for those like me who don't run with earphones and thus can't use audio trainers. Do you like the idea of that? I worry about him not <laughs> running with headphones. I've yeah. said this for a long time. I don't think people don't should trust, be... Don't trust people who... Don't, don't trust people who are alone music. with their thoughts like that. Mm. <laughs> What's he thinking about? Yeah, Exactly. But, yeah, you know, I'd rather my watch locked on faster, but... You know, sure. each, each their own. So, would, just to clarify, is this kind of a hologram in the same way that Prince's halftime shirt, <laughs> Super Bowl, was dressed up as a hologram, really, you know, projecting, that's what we want. But, yeah, we had, I mean, I can... I mean, some other kind of more kind of sensible, I would say, responses. So, Ben Shrew, who's a US cross-country runner, he, he said, oh, I'm looking forward to having improved safety features on a wearable without having to carry a phone since I tend to run solo in rugged terrain far from self-service uh, or near or neighbouring houses it would be a huge peace of mind if I could press a button and alert an emergency contact of my location 
if I'd fallen, twist an ankle or another or other tragedy, mm-hmm. which is yeah, we are seeing personal safety yeah. wearables. Samsung have kind of got yeah. have kind of featured on the Gear S three, so maybe that's not too. You out don't of the actually realms. have to be trekking across any wildernesses to benefit from that. Anyone running um, alone, yeah, um, could certainly benefit from Especially, those features. Yeah, like a lot of you know, speak to flatmates, for example, who won't go running on their own, especially because winter is like six months of the time. After you know four o'clock, it's dark. People don't really want to run around. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's 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 one that, definitely a natural progression. That is in circulation, right? Yeah. There's a Strava Beacon. Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. So uh, that that aims to do that, mm. but obviously you need a. I think it'd be nice just having knowing that oh, if I press this button. Yeah. Then, yeah. I think that's Absolutely. Just a peace of mind thing, isn't it? Yeah. So that's it for this week's podcast. Remember, you can check all of our future running week features on Wearable right now. Also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And remember, folks, keep wearing it well. Who's asked? Who's asked?